Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that console? Sir, burying this franchise. <laughs> okay, that sounds practiced. This was scripted. This is scripted. Thought we agreed no script. I call shenanigans. Uh, I can just call hey, upon they... that voice, didn't you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no specific rule against scripts. Anywho, um, so we'll get into why that was significant in a bit, but until we do, my name's Ian. Who else is with me? It's me, Scott. Uh, but we... Grana Weep Ninibong, I am James. Oh, that, darn it, you stole my line there, James. I did. I knew you were going <laughs> to say the, it. It's a universal uh, universal greeting there. Would you like an Energon cube? With like a little piece of gum. Anyway, I'm Sam. And this is The Inciting Moment. Episode 14. G. Willikers, we have made it that far. Always need to think about. Indeed. Um... So, to, to, to kind of uh, elaborate on our intro that we had right there, uh, and it's really unfortunate because not that many episodes ago we were talking about E3 and stuff like that. And one of the things that I said I was a little more optimistic about, and a lot of people, you know, not super excited for, but at least said, hey, you know, it's looking better. Uh, I was optimistic about Halo Infinite because some of the new features that they were doing and uh, some of the stuff they were uh, implementing for multiplayer. And sadly, that has been buried uh, not six feet under, 12 feet under because of some recent news that's come out regarding the development of the game and more importantly, what is going to be omitted until nearly half a year from when it launches. And while I could go into detail on this, I, I thought the honors could go to Scott, because uh, in previous conversations, he's been very vocal about his disdain for this. So, Scott, how about you elaborate for us on uh, what, what what's going on with uh, Halo Infinite? If I can think off the top of my head, and I do have a recent article as of a day ago regarding the progression system for multiplayer, um, to think of some things off the top of my head, one, they are removing split screen until three months into the game's life cycle. Oh. Any co-op whatsoever, too. Um, and no forge about six to nine months later. Now, I'm not too familiar with Halo. What is forge? Forge is the creation tool that you can, like, basically uh, create game modes, or you can, like, go into a multiplayer map where you can just, like, pepper items around and oh. play around with them. So it's kind of like okay. a creator tool, basically. Yeah, it's like a map creation mode. Um, so I, I want to bring the clocks back just a wee bit after another 343 released game. Uh was in some deep shit because of the omission of split screen and how uh after that game's uh rather displeasing reception uh 343 were adamant that uh the next game would had split screen now they of course were not specific and uh they they failed to mention at launch but this this, this is unacceptable this is actually unacceptable. And as of a day ago, they have 
told us about the multiplayer progression system, how it's going to work. So here we have, um, quote unquote, recently 343 Industries community manager uh, John Junisek confirmed that when Halo Infinite launches, players won't be able to earn XP for the game's battle passes by completing and winning matches. Instead, Halo Infinite Battle Pass progression will be limited to challenges. And, and of course, Monster Energy versus... Oh, you, know, yes. you gotta do what you gotta um, do. So, essentially, there no more is the hop on for a few games with the boys and play a few um, and progress. No, you have to actually force into doing challenges that they issue you in order to do any progression. And also, there will be microtransactions. <laughs> uh, of course there is. This is a modern game. Yeah, that comes yeah, with the yes. territory. That's nine. Comes with the battle pass uh, territory as well, because there's going to be multiple passes, plural, by the way. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Whoever thought that uh, miners gambling in literal video games would be such a staple of modern-day uh, video game development? If they want us to like their video games, why not ship them completed and also give us cross-platform campaign co-op in Master Chief Collection? Because that's not a thing. Well, now you're just asking too much, clearly. <laughs> of course. Now now you're just being so specific, Scott, that nobody could ever deliver on that. 343 is a hard-working company. Me, the consumer, wanting my game to work correctly. Thank you. Oh, shame how, me. Shame how me. How Just consume you. and get excited for next product. No. Now, now <laughs> Sam, I, I actually wanted to ask you something, because both you and your brother happen to have quite a few memories of uh, playing cooperatively uh, in Halo, uh, pretty much most of the titles. Uh, how, how do you feel with this? news about a lot of these like staples essentially not being in the game for months on end after the game has been released my reaction might become as a little surprised because i'm not too angry with it and the reason for that is don't get me wrong it's it's still unacceptable that they don't have it right off the gate but at the very least they will have it hopefully you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i don't as I grow older, I find myself more willing to wait for video games to come out. You know what I mean? Wait for them to come on sale. Wait for them to blah, blah, blah. I don't mind waiting for it to come out. You know, with the full thing. Okay. Is it dumb? Oh, hell yeah. Especially after what happened in 5. <laughs> and the for multiplayer those uninitiated, what did happen in 5? Oh, uh, they didn't have any come up at all. No. And Split screen wise, anyway. once again, was not... Uh, shipped with the game until months after it uh, was released. Mm-hmm. So, at the moment, my twin and I are completely fine with just playing the Master Chief Collection, beating all the other uh, campaigns till that one comes out, you know? Don't get me wrong, like I said, it's dumb. But as long as they include it, and it's... I mean, with a couple extra months, it better be fucking awesome. It better work perfectly. Mm-hmm. And if it does, I think this will be a case... Of, um, I'm fine with it as long as it works, you know? No, I gotcha. And I mean, 
It sucks that so many people have to wait, especially when uh, one of the big promises was that uh, the next game would keep a lot of these features in mind. Because, um, I mean, they, 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 they kind of had to, considering how so many people had a falling out with the company at large because <laughs> Scott w w would you not agree that uh over the years people just have not had much faith in 343 when it came to Halo yeah and to have a lot of this coming up I I just think that even if they do deliver on it it's just souring a lot of people's um relationship to the game and all that, and really just the franchise, because they, they've just been consistently annoyed with the practices that they have um, had with uh, with their releases, uh, especially in 5. And sadly, it seems like a lot of the issues from 5 are carrying over. And uh, the prospect of an open-world Halo is still there, so for all we know, the campaign may be well worth it, but at the same time, the multiplayer experience is just as, uh, if not to some people, more important than just the campaign. And uh, I think just looking at this, it seems like the multiplayer offerings are going to be very lackluster for a while. And the problem is, is that with these companies that lay down what's going to happen in the years to come or, or sorry months hopefully not years <laughs> um they uh they 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 change the game plan quite a bit <laughs> it's hard to say if they're gonna stay on schedule or keep their word considering how uh just questionable they've been in the past with a lot of these so it's hard to say, but I, I'm just kind of annoyed with 343 and what they're pulling. And yeah, uh, eventually it'll be put in there. Kind of like how uh, Battlefront 2 didn't ship with any kind of instant action where you can play on the multiplayer maps of uh, Conquest and all that stuff um, offline. Uh, but it eventually had it, and while it's not perfect... Uh, mainly because there were still quite a few elements that needed to be fixed, but couldn't be because of uh, support being shut off. It has it. Uh, so, for all we know, it'll happen the same thing with uh, Halo Infinite. It's just a matter of how long and if they keep their word. Another thing to consider is if they do fully intend on adding these features later, a large section of the player base is fine waiting for them. Mm -hmm. That might set the precedent that maybe you should just ship with the stuff that people want. So that way you're... Because a lot of games live and die by their first couple weeks of sales. Oh, yeah. And if people are waiting for the features they actually want to play, that means almost no one will be buying it at launch. And that's going to hurt the company in the long term. Right, and I mean, Battlefront 2 didn't have, like, a consistently solid player base uh, until, like, almost a year into its lifespan, because by that point, they were putting out updates that people were honestly surprised they were able to put out, because by that point, they just figured it was a very lazy and poorly handled um, live service that they didn't think... Uh, would actually get any more content and yet look where it is now and because of that people were so impressed by the 
transformation it went to that eventually they went back on and played it and even people that didn't get it at launch they're like okay i guess now i'll give it a shot and while it could have used three or four more months of further you know tweaks and stuff like that before support was cut off um it's still all right and there's still quite a people playing it even now uh but you can't always say that for every single game uh mm -hmm. the reason it happened with battlefront 2 was because so many people had low expectations for the future of it. They thought it was just going to be abandoned because of how much of a financial failure it was. So, I mean, time will tell what happens with Halo Infinite. Uh, I'm sure there's still going to be plenty of people that are big enough fans that they just want to play the next Halo and, you know, enjoy it for what it is. Because there were people that somewhat enjoyed what five had to offer because hey it was more of what they love from the franchise but i mean if the masses just aren't pleased i i just feel like that's down to mismanagement and it just seems like there's some early signs of that with what's going on with halo infinite and it's unfortunate indeed because i like to believe that they could come back and improve uh 343 because for a lot of their mistakes, they still care about the franchise, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's their thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They still put effort into trying to continue what people like about it, and uh, I, I believe anybody can come back around and uh, fix a lot of their mistakes and um, replace them with something a little more uh, complete and satisfactory. Uh, because, I mean, I, I know people are divisive on it, but, I mean, uh, when they put out Halo 4, that was their first original offering in terms of more Halo stuff, I actually kind of liked it. I mean, the, the, the art design was a little more Michael Bay Transformers than I would have liked, which, <laughs> speaking of Transformers, we'll go into that in just a little bit. I still liked it overall, because the, the core story, uh, was compelling, and I thought the improvements to gameplay to me anyway was a natural evolution of what halo was and what it should be in the future halo 5 maybe a little too far maybe a little too different but halo 4 i was satisfied with uh it's not the best but, you know i liked it and i think that they can do that again only time will tell mm-hmm yeah, you could say that uh, 343, somewhere beneath all those mistakes and all the press uh, saying that they're a bunch of meanie bobinis, they uh, can sometimes be more than meets the eye. I was going to say, they still had the touch. <laughs> yeah, we're rolling on into our uh, feature presentation because really Halo Infinite was the only thing uh, this week that we wanted to... Uh, talk about uh, at great lengths. But before we get into the main, main, main attraction, uh, we, we did something a little different because of how simple it was to just get through. Uh, our feature presentation this week was the 1986 uh, movie continuation of the 80s Transformers Generation 1 cartoon. And I felt to get the full vibes of just how 
fascinatingly bizarre the movie is in relation to the TV show. Uh, I had everybody, myself included, watch the first three episodes of uh, the show along with some uh, additional clips that uh, were hilariously out of context. But at the same time, pretty much sum up the show. So yeah, first three episodes of the Transformers show, fellas. What what uh what did we think generally? Pure eighties goodness. <laughs> yeah, Scott. What 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 did you think of the show? It was weird. <laughs> it was uh. It I, was I guess it's because time. I didn't grow up on like eighties cartoons. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I, 80s was very different with its children. I grew up program. on, like, the mid-2000s Nickelodeon shows. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wasn't I prepared for the amount of weirdness this was gonna bring. Yeah! Yeah, it's 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 pretty goofy uh, throughout its run. Uh, James, what did you think? I, I have a weird experience with the show, because much like Scott, I didn't grow up with it. Okay. Uh, and I'm fully aware this is the standard 80s thing of like, oh, we made all these toys, now we need to make a show about them. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, my goodness, it, first off, and this is kind of an issue with the movie too, this show needs to slow down. <laughs> yeah, it like, really holy... does, it goes it breakneck speed. I, I couldn't tell who anyone was. Like, I'm sure they've introduced themselves, like, three times. But in that time, they were flying, exploding everything, and, like, shouting at each other. And every other shot, it looks like there's... The room grew, like, five feet bigger. Or there's, like, eight more good guys oh, yeah. than in the previous Oh, scene. that's that's the funniest thing about this show. The animation continuity uh, is just ass sometimes. I, it's consistent in being inconsistent. Oh, right. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, when we were, you know, testing out chemistry and whatnot, I I don't know if you actually posted it, because we talked about the Michael Bay Transformers movie, and one thing mm -hmm. I brought up that not a lot of people seem to understand is I couldn't tell what character was what. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I see now. I I have that problem with the uh the source material too. All these characters look the same to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was hard to you differentiate so? Ironhide from any of the other Autobots, except the Decepticons. All of them have like unique looks. They're like, all planes. Yeah, yeah, they're not all planes. <laughs> Most but of they them still are all planes. fly. Yeah, they uh, can all fly. Yeah, you know, here's the weird thing about the show. So, like, the Decepticons are built up and sometimes idolized for their ability to just fly. Yeah. But I, I don't understand why that's such a big deal when, A, some of them turn into flying vehicles, but within the first few episodes, the Autobots can fly as Everyone well? Everyone can, yeah. I don't know why they <laughs> yeah, need to transform. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Everyone flies like goddamn Superman in this show, and it's weird. Why transform when you can just fly around? I think it's mostly because they're... they're... They're spe they specialize in flying. That's their shit. Yeah. Okay. No, I they transform into jets and whatnot because they're better at flying than the Autobots. Mm -hmm. Although, yeah. another thing I'd like to bring up, uh, I know it's the tagline of the show, but I never got this even as a kid. 
Robots in disguise. Everyone knows who they are. Yeah. <laughs> like they see a they see a semi roll up and it's like, oh, that's Optimus Prime. Shoot him. It's like, okay, then what's the disguise? Well, it's not disguise for the Decepticons' sake. It's disguise for uh, Earth inhabitants. Also, but they don't do a very good job at that other. either. What is no. more than meets the eye mean? I don't get it. Because there's supposed to be more than just that truck. Oh, hey, that's a robot from the yeah. planet Cybertron. That makes sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I like to see to your Mercedes Benz do that shit. <laughs> where, where, where does Optimus Prime's trailer come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that is actually a long debated topic within the fandom of the original show. So people mm-hmm. constantly debate. So hang on, what, where 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 does where does trailer go? But why is it reappear? Hang on a second. People theorize that apparently Optimus brings it with him off screen, or it literally teleports to him because the toy has the trailer turn into a a a um like a base with like guns on it and stuff like that. Okay. So they, they they just say, oh yeah, it just teleports to wherever he is. Comes out of his ass. It comes out of his ass! Until we all become one. <laughs> Come here, trailer. We must become one! I'm ah! coming, trailer. Look, I'll be real with you. I thought the show was dope as fuck. Yeah. I, I, I did too. Because here's the thing... Um, if I could kind of go into a little bit of the movie as well as, as to why I picked it, um, mid two thousands, I had seen some of the later Transformers, uh, shows. Um, I think the ones I was most familiar with at the time were the ones that were on Cartoon Network, which included the anime ones like Armada, Energon, and Cybertron. Didn't four kids do one of them? Yeah, yeah, four kids had, I I think, all three of them, possibly. Mm, I don't know. But um, naturally, I became a huge fan of the franchise. And what I didn't realize until the mid-2000s, because I got this giant, like, ultimate guide to Transformers, which spanned literally the whole franchise. And I realized, whoa, wait a minute. There's, There's an older show from the 80s? And I just kept reading and reading and reading more about it, and eventually I was able to watch a bunch of episodes on YouTube before, like, a lot of the copyright stuff in the mid-2000s were, like, really hammering down on that kind of stuff. And I I became a huge fan of the original show, and eventually I saw the movie, and I also liked that a lot, too, because I I thought it it was kind of cool how it had, like, a hard edge compared to the show, but we'll get into Mm -hmm. more on that later on, because I think... That's the reason why I had you guys watch the show, or at least the first three episodes, to really get the shift that you get from uh, transitioning from the show to the movie. Because, oh my, things happen in there that are quite uh, absurd. I have some thoughts um, on that, but we'll get there. Right, right. Um, But, uh... 
I actually kind of liked revisiting this. It, it, it's it's not a great show. It's it's not. It's very mm-hmm. clearly of that '80s, very toy commercial esque kind of stuff. But I agree with Sam. It was a fun ride coming back to this. It really was. <laughs> I mean, it really is. And something I really liked about the show is, yeah, visually it's kind of hard to tell, but you know, between all the characters. But I think they did a really good job of characterizing them all. You know, and it showed a really good sense of camaraderie between them that's kind of lost in the Michael Bay films. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. I will say that they are they are a unit. Yeah, you could tell that these guys have worked together for a long time. And I think that's a, I think it was very well done. Yeah, kind of to uh, counter what, what, what James and uh, Scott were kind of going at with some of the characters, while they don't all feel that fleshed out, and individual because some of them are literally uh color palette swaps <laughs> yeah um for the characters that do have quite a bit of uh time to breathe and stuff like that i think they do a decent job uh some of my favorite characters are uh jazz and wheeljack uh jazz because he just feel fills that nice uh, charismatic second-in-command sort of position that he has with the Autobots, and Wheeljack, because he fascinates me. <laughs> now, you're going to have to help me out here, Ian. Which one of those were who? <laughs> uh, Jazz was the one with the visor eyes uh, that turned into that uh, white uh, with, like, red and blue stripes, and he talked like Bill Cosby. Okay, I think I know who. Yeah, that 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 was Jazz. Okay. Yeah. Uh he's the second in command of the Autobots. He he, you know, does his best to kind of uh maintain um, you know, Optimus's uh needs and orders uh when he has to divide uh divert his attention towards other stuff. And Wheeljack I think is my favorite character aside from Optimus because he's the uh like mad scientist of the group that is constantly constantly making new doodads and the way that he explains what they do and goes into how it works he's so giddy about it that it it's it's just kind of wholesome like he'll sometimes uh make Oh yeah, so this this thing right here uh, locks people into transformed modes, and that way, then we'll be able to better the tide of the battle. And then he, you know, tests it out, and it blows up in his face, and he's like, "All right, well, I gotta go back to the board on that one." And one of my other favorite ones is where, uh, in the middle of a battle, he just runs up with like a like a rocket launcher, uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> And uh, he, he says, let's see how they like my new shock blast cannon. And he goes to fire it, and it blows up in his face. He topples over, and the only thing he has to say is, oh, that's a shock, all right. Next level shit. Oh, that's definitely oh, yeah. some 80s cheese. Uh, yeah, Scott, James. I think you were trying to say something. James, yes. obviously you know who Jazz is. He's the one who gets ripped to pieces in the movie. Megatron yeah. rips him <laughs> to pieces. You mean the one we, we like, that. they all forgot immediately? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus is holding uh, both halves of him, and he's just like, oh, Jazz. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> mm. 
moving on. <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate uh, just moment that just kind of comes from that one meme of like, oh no! Moving anyway. on. <laughs> I wanted to make just that joke. That, that was all I want to say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny how uh, in the show you have uh, Jazz filling this very specific role of, oh yeah, charismatic second in command. Literally gets torn in half in the Michael Bay movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's forgotten. I mean, they do the same thing with Jimmy Olsen in the DCEU. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that kind of just like, oh, yeah, he's the one that dies sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. That kind of echoes into the movie, which we'll, of course, get into. <laughs> um, But, yeah, to, to, to kind of wrap up the show, I, I mean, it's just a bunch of 80s children's cartoon cheese that... If you're one for, especially, like, with the kind of absurdity you get from, like, Power Rangers and all that, it, mm-hmm. it's very similar with this. Very similar. Very goofy. But at the same time, you really can't be mad at it, you no, know? I, I know I was a little harsh, but, like, I, there's some things I like. Uh, it, something we didn't bring up is I also really like the dynamics the Decepticons have. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Just with uh, Megatron and Starscream. Yeah, and just uh, <laughs> I I mentioned it before we were recording, but the the way that a uh, sound wave works, where he can just have a cassette player that he ejects his minions out of, that is that is perfect. I love everything about that. Oh yeah, and then each of the little cassette tapes have a different personality. <laughs> yeah, it's just like Ravager, go. I will have. I will admit one thing that I absolutely hate about the show, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. Megatron turning into a fucking gun. Uh, yeah. Is one of the yeah. dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I, I will then add on to that because in like the first scene of the movie, Megatron turns into a fucking gun, and then the one guy that is the least trustworthy of the entire team gets to fire him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, there, there. When we get into the movie, I have something I want to say. <laughs> All right. Oh, regarding Starscream. Oh no, just in general, something okay. like oh, that okay. I thought was horrifying. Let's okay. transform okay. this discussion into the movie. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get right into that. So uh, it was transform- fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was dope as fuck. <laughs> I... Yeah, I'm on the okay. same boat. I enjoyed my time with it. I laughed a lot, but I also just enjoyed the ride. It was fucking awesome. Scott, your thoughts? Okay, so generally, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it was neither. It was neither really good or super bad. It was kind of just average in my mind. I I liked it. My time with it. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys remember, but um. <laughs> Like, I don't know if it was just me who thought this was horrifying, but when they Autobots were trying to get off Cybertron and the Decepticons, like, blow a hole and, like, they just rip into the hole, I thought it was horrifying. Dude, a lot oh. of this movie was genuinely just When hard. it's just camera shot on the wall breaking down, you see Megatron ripping it open. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. awful. I, I'm gonna be honest. The, the, the tone of this movie is what I thought the tone of the original show would have been. Yeah? Like, they they always, in all the adaptations, they play up the war between Cybertron and, like, the Autobots and the Decepticons, but 
half the time they don't even shoot each other properly in the show. Like this, they're landing shots. They, you really feel like a conflict brewing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this movie opens uh, up on like all cylinders, so it's like also Unicron a, is fucking I, awesome. Yeah, I mean it's Morrison yes. motherfucking Wells. That's Citizen yeah. Kane right Unicron there. Unicron is great. Let's let's start right there to to okay. kind of talk about what's going on in this movie. So uh, this movie uh, takes place in the distant future of two thousand and five. <laughs> God, I hope we ever get Which to was also the same year that I saw this movie for the first time. Hey. Coincidence or destiny? <laughs> oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you, man. But uh, so the whole thing going on in this is that this this movie opens up on all cylinders. Uh, Unicron, who is a giant planet-sized transformer that literally turns into a planet. Uh, Galactus travels the fucking universe uh devouring uh planets and gobbling them up he's hungry. literally you you hear cartoon uh chomping noises as he's like processing yeah that, that was a little bit silly that, uh, that planet he's just he's hungry like... yeah he's hungry yeah, you know to uh to, to, to quote king shark nom nom <laughs> food <laughs> uh and so what's going on is that at the same time the Decepticon Autobot War is uh, is kind of hitting its tipping point. Uh, the Decepticons have finally picked a time to begin their full-on assault because they have the means to do so. And they also have uh, picked just the right time because the Autobots are at a very vulnerable position with where they're at. And uh, things escalate as uh, they need to use the sacred Autobot Matrix of Leadership to destroy Unicron before he uh, destroys literally everything in the universe. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Now, there's quite a few uh, uh, shenanigans that happen in between, and I really don't know how much of it is spoilers or not, because it happens pretty damn soon into the movie yeah i think we can get the big one out of the way because that's what the whole movie is kind of based around yeah so much like i was saying um this uh this movie starts on all cylinders like it establishes unicron shows a fucking terrifying sequence of him eating this this uh robot planet completely Mm -hmm. separate from the transformers uh and then we have the decepticons much like uh (laughs) scott was talking about uh, intercepting a Autobot ship, tearing the hole uh, open on 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 the hull, and and the big indicator of how much darker this movie is in comparison, uh, literally murdering every Autobot on that ship. Now, were any of those named characters or? Yes, yes, those okay. were all named characters that were very prominent in the show. Because like I said, I have a very hard time distinguishing who's who, so I didn't know if these were just, like, red shirts, or if these were, like, big shits. Oh, yeah, no, 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 you have characters like Ratchet, who was, like, the medical officer, you have Prowl, he didn't get as much time in the show, but, I mean, a lot of these characters, yeah, they they had their moments to shine in later episodes of, Mm -hmm. of of the show, and here they are getting torn to pieces by blaster fire. 
You know, I almost kind of liked how gritty this movie was. Oh, yeah. In fact, I loved how gritty this movie was. It, it, it had weight to it. This, this movie it. still needs to slow down a little bit. It's still got the pacing issues of the show, but the actual stakes I like a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The The actual battle scenes are much more uh, larger scale compared when, when, to the, uh, the show. When someone loses, they die. Oh, oh that, yes, yes, they die. <laughs> that adds a lot more than just the fight scenes in the show where, like, oh, they'll grapple each other, then they'll throw them to the ground, and then they'll just run away. I love how much these robots throw hands. Right? Right. <laughs> and, and and the big reason why so many of these, uh, like, established characters uh, were killed off... Uh, it, it, I'm sure a lot of people already put this together, but it was because their toys were discontinued. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, well, wipe the shelf off as they, like, literally put their arm on, like, toy store shelves and they just put them all into a garbage can and they put all the new toys up. <laughs> we have to make room Gotta kill for the off. waifu bot. Yeah. I, so I there's a, a bunch of new characters that are introduced into this movie that kind of come out of nowhere. This seems like it's the uh, the next generation kind of, like, yeah. movie. Which, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the new characters are essentially all of the characters that the story focuses on from that point on after the big battle in Autobot City. Um, I had a question for all of you. How, how, how did you feel about, uh, how the movie handled actually portraying them? Cause I think that's where some of the writing fell flat for me. I kind of dug them, especially, um, Hot Rod and Cop. I actually really yeah. liked their dynamic, and I, I I thought they really worked. I I'll agree. They definitely had the most I think put into them. The others were mm-hmm. kind of just there to like show that they're there. And oh, right. what was it? The the dude that Optimus gives the spark to, the the like big bulky guy. Oh, Ultra Magnus. He doesn't do anything. Oh no. <laughs> Like, no. At all. He's supposed to be kind of like the fake-out new Optimus. I think you mean new Optimus Prime? Not quite. I, I guess in a way it's kind of clever in the fact that it, it is a almost like a trick. Like, you're supposed to think, like, yeah, this guy's going to be the new Optimus. Because he's got the same similar qualities to Optimus. He's got at least a little bit of a, like, a leadership thing going on. He's not necessarily confident, but he, he has a direction that he sets to it. Yeah, he has the same relative build. He's definitely got the the presence, kind of. I, I there's just one thing, and I I hate to like spoil the movie magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know why death means anything when everything's a robot. I mean, that's that's kind of the point. These things are technically living beings, just alien in nature. No, I I get that, but like, so this is based on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the show, the their ship had like a laser gun that revived everyone right away after they've been like scrapped for four million years, and then uh-huh. later in the same movie, the the not Optimus character gets torn to shreds, and they just rebuild him, and he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I saw that, and I'm like, well, if you still have Optimus's body somewhere, why don't you? bring them to the the junk planet 
So, like, I get what they're trying to do. Like, I, like you guys said, they're trying to set up, like, the next line of toys, the new characters. But I, I don't know if they really sold why this is a permanent thing. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think uh, that the next big thing we should cover on the topic of death is... Uh, spoilers, everybody, we're getting into that now. Within the first 20 minutes of the movie, uh, at the climax of the uh, big battle sequence at Autobot City, Optimus and Megatron have a super uber-duber badass uh, standoff against one mm -hmm. another, like, easily the most brutal that they had compared to the show, which, I mean, goes mm -hmm. without saying, because the show was pretty simplistic in terms of action, but... Yeah, like I said, they just throw each other to the ground, and then they run away. Yeah, or they ram into each other in their vehicle forms, which looks pretty clunky oftentimes. Optimus Prime straight up dies in the first 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> and, uh... As you might guess, that had quite a bit of a reaction from a lot of uh, fans, even nowadays, and uh, a lot of children that went to the movies back in 1986. And uh, the the reasoning behind it fascinates me. Uh, Hasbro, the, the toy manufacturer, is, their excuse was, oh, well, we didn't think he was that important hear me out i think i know the real explanation hmm. okay they actually had the balls to take a chance it backfired and they used any excuse they could to justify it yeah yeah i mean that's that's, that's kind of what i figured <laughs> they were they were banking on this hot rodimus prime <laughs> <laughs> yeah Not yeah. I like it because it's 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 a very distinct change. I, I, it took ball. It takes balls to kill Optimus Prime. Let's be honest. It does. Oh, yeah. Of course, I, this isn't the only time he dies in the franchise, from what I'm aware. Oh no, no! And actually, it was after this movie that started the uh, the trope in basically every uh, major Transformers iteration that Optimus Prime dies at least once, mm -hmm. which. <laughs> the the other trope to his death is that he's also revived in some way basically every time he he comes back and well let's just say that the the season three of uh the show didn't help matters because uh optimus prime does come back uh but he comes back twice and uh he had to come back twice because the first time if, if you thought that it was a bit of uh, a, a shock to a lot of uh, kids seeing their, their favorite Autobot uh, literally die in, like, the most uh, harrowing way possible, it's practically salt in the wound when you realize that one of the earliest episodes in the newest season is a literal zombie of Optimus Prime coming back to life to steal the Matrix away from Hot Rod because he doesn't think he is worthy oh that that was an actual episode and i i even shared a a screenshot of it that there is a a uh part where he gets basically blown to pieces and like part of his face is torn off <laughs> like his eye shows what's behind the uh the, the blue slits and and all that it, it's like what were you expecting? 
<laughs> so naturally, they, they had to write in a episode where they actually bring him back for real. And from that point on, he was back as a major character um, in the role of leader in the show. I mean, hey, they went with a chance, much like Sam was talking about, but I, I don't know how well it paid off, honestly. It, it rarely does when they do something like this, like when they killed John Connor in um, Terminator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in, in Dark Fate. The, the mistake is always we kill the main character and replace him with an entirely new main character. A, a lot of so because some shows will do it where like the main character dies and then their sidekick steps up. And I feel like that's usually better taken because like there's more investment in these characters already. But when you're throwing one main character away and just giving them a new one, it's like, no, 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 you don't want this shit. This is the old shit. Look at this. This is the new stuff. He's hot. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and if we can talk about Hot Rod, he's not a bad protagonist. You know, he he's the cocky young uh, soldier character in, in a larger conflict that uh, sort of comes of age. And uh, I guess I, I would say develops and becomes the leader, but I, I see he just kind of becomes the leader, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. When uh, at the very end of the film, he opens the Matrix of Leadership and transforms into Rodimus Prime. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he could have used a bit more of time time in the oven. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, granted, there's a lot of shenanigans in this movie that probably could have gone to more character development. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- th- this movie's biggest thing is that it takes these new characters that uh, are being introduced to us for the first time and really doesn't establish them all that well aside from their archetypes like cup is the grumpy longtime veteran soldier that is constantly giving hot rod an earful and uh, him and uh, hot rod have the better dynamics because they have a little bit more time to actually uh establish themselves but the rest i mean i just the... Ultra Magnus, much like we were talking about, really is just Optimus Prime 2.0. Which is also funny, because the toy of Ultra Magnus, uh, the the truck part of him, uh, yeah, that, that, that was literally just a white recolor of Optimus Prime. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, it kind of plays into that in the movie, and he, he plays his part in, in the story, I suppose, but... Yeah, some of the other side characters, like the, the the Dinobots, I wasn't a super big fan of any time they were on screen. Ah, the Dinobots, I, yeah. I feel like they were appealing maybe to a demographic way younger than I am. Yeah. Yeah, especially uh, Grimlock. Another thing I actually really did like about the movie is how it expanded on the universe, and we saw that junk planet and the planet of uh, oh, yeah. Sharkatron's. Oh god, those, the junk people were my favorite part of the movie. Dude, the, I'm not gonna lie, the junk planet and the Junkatrons were just, like, James was saying, it's an absolute fucking acid trip. Yeah. Oh, yes. But at the same time, it's, uh, one way you could look at it is possible ins- inspiration for how Bumblebee talked in the uh, movie, in the oh. Michael Bay movie. Yeah, because the, the, the whole junk planet inhabitants, uh, they themselves are Transformers, which makes you question, well... 
what are they doing on a junk planet? But anywho, uh, they learn to talk the way that they do in this, like, highly charismatic and, like, almost radio talk show voice sort of speak because they literally receive television uh, radio waves all the way out in space, which... I mean, is kind of absurd, but I'm not going to question because that just is so goofy. I love it. And what I also thought was goofy was uh, the, the junk planet inhabitants. They themselves are transformers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they turn into mainly motorcycles. But what's funny is that they transform into motorcycles and they have other junk planet inhabitants ride them. <laughs> And yeah. when one falls down, they transform and then they get back on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the they, other they, they one switch. transforms. <laughs> but I mean, I, I guess that's the kind of thing with these uh, these Cybertron peeps or these Transformers. You should say is a lot of them do ride each other. They, like they get in each other's vehicles that they make. And yeah. it's kind of a, a theme with how they how they work together. Uh, this whole all this one kind of like mythology they have, you know. Yeah, that is a saying that's brought up a lot. Till all are one. And all that. Did any of you guys thought that that was explored well enough? Or if it's just like a, a one-liner that's just in there to sound kind of inspirational? It, it's kind of the same thing of... I know it's a pretty iconic line, but you have to admit, out of context, it comes right the fuck out of nowhere. When Optimus is facing down Megatron and he just says, One shall stand, one shall fall. I mean, oh, like, I mean, the voice acting is surprisingly good, both in the show and the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, naturally, uh, they, they brought a lot of the uh, voice actors from the show on to voice their respective characters, but they also had, like, a surprising amount of, um, like, celebrity actors come on and voice these characters as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I was watching this with... Um, my parents because they were just like yeah it sounds interesting for your pick for the podcast and when the intro was going and blaring that fucking new rendition of the transformers theme which that's a little thing we'll get into in a little bit the that's, soundtrack. that's about what I, that's exactly what i'm gonna oh, talk sound. about in a sec yeah oh yeah yeah uh my my parents were kind of giggling because they're just like what robert stack judd nelson what eric idol eric idol <laughs> uh yeah performances all around oh and then of course uh one of the big things about the movie is that we see the end of megatron and the beginning of galvatron who is voiced by leonard nimoy and he he's easily one of the best performances in the movie honestly. even if he is just the same character oh yeah oh you were gonna say something earlier sam what was that yeah, the soundtrack fucking slaps. Oh god, yeah, that uh, was easily my favorite part of this whole thing. Yes. It's just, it's cheesy, it's hair metal-y, but it just slaps. It does! It's just amazing uh, rock and metal from the 80s, and it just, yeah. What else can you really say aside from that it slaps? I mean, you have tracks from Stan Bush... Uh, two different ones, uh, Dare and, of course, the ever-iconic one that people remember from this movie, The Touch. Mm -hmm. Which plays twice, by the way, just to show how good it is. Basically. Because that, that, that is half the reason that the, the fight between Optimus and Megatron feels so special. 
got the touch. You got the power. You got the power. Beautiful. They even get like weird picks in there. Like Weird Al has a song in this movie, which I was not expecting at all. That was a that was a weird one. I don't remember yeah. which one was that. Dare to yeah, be but... stupid, where they're like oh. dancing with the drunk robots for some reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of liked how weird was it was, a... though. It was very, very weird. <clears throat> I'm not a uh, big on Weird Al, so I'm oh, not I sure love which him. song it was. No, I, I got gotcha. you. Um, you know, th- this movie has a lot of memorable set pieces, and I wanted to ask you guys, what were some of your just favorite sequences? from the film uh aside from the optimus and megatron fight because that is a little easy i liked the um when they uh i'm forgetting uh was was it uh cup and uh i forget the other guy when they were on Uh, trial no 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 was it it was hot rod Hot Rod and cup uh they get dumped into the pool and they just start driving on the walls and making a whirlpool. <laughs> yeah, and then they have to fight the shark to come. Yeah, that was that was one of my favorite parts. Aside from also just the entire Unicron fight is just great. Oh yeah, I, yeah, it, it really is. To add on from that, my favorite part of the movie in general is just any time Unicron is on screen. Oh yeah, because he's big, he's intimidating, and one thing I appreciate especially, he doesn't give a fuck. No, it doesn't like they're trying to be, you know, like kids movie villains and and do all their their petty bullshit. And he's just like, no, you failed. Do it again or else I'll have you in never ending pain for the rest of your existence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's dope shit. And I mean, it helps that he's he's played by uh, Orson Welles, of all people. One of his last I think actually it is his last uh, role. Before he passed away. What a legendary finish. Oh, I know. And it's weird because uh, he he, uh, he he didn't really think of the source material all that highly. Uh, in fact, he, he found it very just strange. But uh, he, he had respect for animation. And when he was told that he would be playing a, a villain that is a planet-sized monster, he's just like... That's smashing. <laughs> so I mean, he 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 put his all into it, and uh, apparently they had to synthesize his voice quite a bit because uh, it, it it just it sounded so weak and and wheezy. So they had to like uh, do a little bit of uh, extra work on that. But oh my god, does it pay off? Because it really does. Unicron is just such a presence in the movie. I honestly wish he was in it more. Yeah, but I mean, how 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 much more could you really work in when he's the literal size of a planet? True. Yeah, he's a unit. Yeah, you gotta save I... him for the uh, the later half where he then starts trying to tear apart uh, Cybertron. I I do question though why he's called Unicron. Oh, I have no clue. Like, I think it kind of makes sense because Uni means one. Kind of goes with this theme of all is one. He is just one being. Oh, that maybe makes sense. Because I, I was always given the impression, like, unicron, unicorn, but he's got two horns, so I never put that together. But that makes more sense. 
Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of text corrections uh, were happening whenever I typed in Unicron. It kept on searching up Unicron. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd much, I'd rather, much rather see a unicorn than unicron at our gates. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a little scary. Uh, one thing I did find funny, though, is much like how we were talking about the, the show's problem with, like, uh, animation continuity and, like, how sometimes the size of rooms was never consistent. Yeah. Uh, unicron is also not consistent because he goes from being as big as cybertron to being slightly small to then being bigger than cybertron to then being just as big because he's standing on top of it look all their budget went to the fucking sound <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's I'll, true i'll also give that a pass because these are transforming robots i assume he can kind of like morph to fit the size of the planet he's consuming yeah i maybe but i mean if you're going based off of that then how can Soundwave turn into a handheld cassette player he's <laughs> <laughs> magic Compacting. But, no, like, despite what I said, them spending all the budget on the sound, some of the visuals are really good, especially with Unicron transforming. Oh, yeah. The, all yes. the action scenes are great. But I do wish we got to know a little bit more about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, uh, while the animation is definitely a, a step up from the show, I don't know if it's leaps and bounds better, because there are some really well-done scenes, and like I... I I'll sing the praises again. The fight between Megatron and Optimus, easily one of the parts that the animation is having a lot of the budget go into. But there are a lot of other scenes, though, where not so much. It it looks about as detailed and fluid as the show, which uh, a little blocky, a little stiff, and a little jittery. <laughs> So, I mean, for, for diehard animation fans that like seeing movies um, really pay attention to the art of it all in terms of, like, frame-by-frame frame fluidity and stuff like that, they, they may find this a little, you know, lackluster in areas. But, I mean, I think it's, it's good enough to where um, when you go from the show to the movie, it feels all the more special because it's higher detail the fluidity of the actual animation is better in a lot of scenes. It's just for a lot of uh, enthusiasts, it might come across as a little cheap in certain uh, sequences. Which, if I had to give my favorite sequence, my absolute favorite sequence, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's Starscream's coronation. <laughs> It's fitting for Starscream, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Starscream yeah. is a great character, and I think that scene shows every single aspect of him all at once. Yes. Or oh, interrupts yes. my coronation. Or when, like, they're constantly blowing the trumpet, so he just blasts them all. Yeah, because he's getting all impatient, because he just wants to be named the, the ruler of the Decepticons. Yeah. Then Galvatron just strolls on in, shows up, and goes, Bah! This is bad comedy. M Megatron? Is that you? Here's a hint! And he literally disintegrates him. Ah, it's it's just... Ooh, I mean, is that that's cheap? a death that I thought, no, that's 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 earned. That's that's how Starscream goes. <laughs> I literally like how thematically, before him. 
it just feels thematically correct, especially after watching the first three episodes where Megatron says to him, hey, no, just because you want to be a leader doesn't mean you'll ever be one. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's given, you know, it's, it's, it's something you earn. But, it's more than yeah. just desire. And it's kind of a nice full circle to that. And honestly, if this was the end of the series, I would say it's a pretty fitting end. I would say so too. Obviously with a lot of people, they may be miffed with, uh, some nobody like hot rod being the new leader but i i don't know i think he's all right as a leader of the autobots he's not as experienced but he's all right plus i mean judd nelson i i think uh easily helps with uh hot rods uh you know charisma and all that and um i think he's a a decent replacement However, a lot of people are divisive about Hot Rod because of the fact that, uh, well, technically speaking, he is kind of responsible for Optimus dying in the first place. But, yeah. I mean, depending on how you read that. Because uh, when Optimus has Megatron at gunpoint, Hot Rod stops Megatron, or at least attempts to stop Megatron from grabbing that gun that he eventually uses to shoot Optimus. Which, because Optimus doesn't want to hurt Hot Rod, he doesn't shoot because he's too nice and he's the ultimate dad Autobot. It's a bit divisive in, in the fandom uh, as to whether Hot Rod is liked or not. <laughs> what uh, what it becomes of him later in the series? Like, I Obviously Optimus takes over as the main character at some point, but like, does he show up in any other iterations? Oh yeah, yeah. He he uh, he's in the rest of the show, and in fact, all the characters return uh, in season three, including Galvatron um, mm. and a bunch of the other uh, Decepticons. Uh, Starscream comes back as a ghost that is able to possess people. <laughs> oh, I heard about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was a neat um, return. To form with him which, which was fitting because um it wasn't too long after that the set of episodes that he came back in that sadly the voice actor portraying him passed away uh so it's good that he got that in um but no hot rod he continues to be the leader and obviously one of the things that they play up is um because he's not as experienced as optimus he sometimes makes mistakes and beats himself up because he thinks he should be doing better as the leader of the autobots but uh each time that happens he does come around and fix his mistakes and learn from them and i forget if this is the case but i think for a while optimus actually says no hot rod you hang on to the matrix possibly i might have to look that up and double check oh. but um yeah he still sticks around he's still around uh throughout season three and end until the very end of the show but uh yeah a lot of things continue uh i do know that uh season three wasn't the greatest both in terms of writing but also just in terms of viewership because of some of the characters that were killed off and just the changes that came with it Sammy boy, what 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 was your favorite sequence? My favorite sequence, honestly, I mean, obviously besides the fight <laughs> between uh, right, right, because that's just obvious. I guess my other favorite series when he finally lifts off the matrix, uh, the matrix leadership becomes the next prime with the approval of Optimus in the background, 
and then he says, "Hey, Autobots, roll out." I don't know. It's just it, it's very fan servicey moments. No, but I'm it. I'm a sucker to those fan servicey moments. I I love it. it oh was, yeah. was a, it was a very good full circle moment in which they all ride out and says, "Hey, no, this is the end of the Cybertron War. It's go time, bitches." I don't know. I liked it. Right. No, no, no. Uh, I, I will say, uh, remembering uh, Rodimus Prime specifically, uh, I I don't remember there being many sports cars that carry along their own trailer behind them, but I guess to coincide with the vibes of Optimus, he's a sports car with a trailer. Do Okay. You do what you do. You gotta do I, what I you gotta so. do. But uh, I will admit the my, I can tell you my least favorite sequence of the movie, too. Oh, yeah? What's that? Anything with the fucking voice of Wheelie in it. Oh! <laughs> oh, Wheelie! Oh, Wheelie was grating. He is easily the Jar Jar Binks of, uh, of the Transformers movie. And which one was he? Yeah. <laughs> is that the, is that the uh, fast guy? Because I hated that guy, too. Blur. Blur. Oh, I like Blur. Blur. I like Blur because he was unique. Yeah. Because he said the same thing, like, three times every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blur could uh, be a little grating because of how fast he was saying, and yeah. But that's kind of his vibe and all that. Yeah, anyway. Uh, But no, Wheelie was the short one that was, like, orange, and he spoke in uh, third person, I believe. And oh, also spoke in rhyme. The one with the slingshot. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wheelie. I can't stand Wheelie, and oh, he was the thrown in. Tiny boy, yeah, I hate him too. Yeah, yeah, fucking Wheelie. God, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what Wheelie's legacy amounted to in the grand scheme of things of the Transformers franchise? Wheelie is the same robot in Revenge of the Fallen that humps Megan Fox's leg. Oh, cool. Oh, good God. That, that's what he amounts to. Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he had some other obscure appearance in another series at one point, but that no, that's 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 what he amounts to. He's he's the dry humping robot. That's what he amounts to. I I can't stand Wheelie. He very much is the Jar Jar Binks of uh of Transformers. Some people say Bumblebee, but I actually don't mind Bumblebee in in the movie and the show. Mm. So He's just kind of there. Well, why don't we roll on out? <laughs> there we go. Into we recommendations. I would fucking recommend this movie. It's it's oh, yeah. if you want pure '80s cheese, it's it's good shit and way better than Michael Bay shit. Oh, oh yeah. especially with the uh, the soundtrack. It has so much more charm. And yes, story wise, it's not the greatest. But uh, and you might be slightly confused. But the other thing is that if you know of the Transformers and the general dynamic that the series has, I don't think it's all that difficult to get into this movie just as its own standalone thing. I, uh, I, I, I might cheat slightly and say I, I personally wouldn't recommend it unless you were already a fan of Transformers. Uh, why is that? Uh, well, because, like you said, this introduces a lot of new characters, and uh, the the pacing is all over the place, uh, and a lot of stuff is just a little out of left field if you aren't already, like, 
know who's who and all that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a hard time following everything. Because I'd only seen the first three episodes, and it turns out most of the main characters weren't even in those. Yeah. Scott, what about you? It's a little difficult for me to recommend it because, I mean, I didn't grow up on it, so obviously I didn't enjoy it as much as you or Sam did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's kind of just like... I, I mean, I can't recommend it wholeheartedly because I couldn't enjoy it as much as I could have, I guess, if I grew up with it. Okay. Fair enough. But let me ask you this, Scott. Would you recommend the soundtrack? Eh, sort of, yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, he- here's our recommendations for just the soundtrack of uh, the Transformers movie. Go and listen to it. Hell you yeah. You can hear it for free on YouTube, and I've done it multiple times, both while I've been working and when I've been, like, taking a shower or something like that. You can't just admit to that. It's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I make it legal by saying it just slaps. All right. The soundtrack makes Ian uh, above the law. So that yes. that's a glowing recommendation. Hey, when you got the touch, level. when you got the power, James, you'll understand. And hey, sometimes I uh, I, I like to think that uh, I, I'm a smart man, but then other times I dare to be stupid. I don't know how I feel about that song. It's the only song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I again i love weird al i don't know what it's doing in this movie but like yeah anyway righty let's move on yes let us move on and let all of you wonderful people know uh what is going to be the focus of our mega session uh this time around we are going to be taking a suggestion by scott to take a look at a trilogy of films, highly beloved by a lot of people, Uh, that trilogy being the Cornetto Trilogy. The Cornetto Trilogy, of course, is a uh, set of films that includes uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Uh, We look forward to covering that in the next episode. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode, and we hope that you tune in for the mega session we're looking forward to that and until then take care destroy unicon kill the grand poobah eliminate even the toughest stains or your money back (laughs) guaranteed all right autobots time to roll out roll out bye bye everybody bye 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 bye